there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Especially hello to you, Kyler Edwards, who I know is listening. Big fan. Welcome back. Welcome back, Mr. Edwards. Had himself a game. Goodness. Had himself a game tonight. The TCU game, we're recording this Tuesday night, right after the 20-point dismantling of the frogs up here in Lubbock. You can consider this your instant reaction. We haven't done one of these in a while because it feels like we've had Monday and Wednesday night games past few weeks. We had a scheduled Tuesday night game against TCU that got canceled. A few of them, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to get you our instant reaction. Uh, We're about an hour or so after final whistle, but we recorded instant reactions later. So we'll get you that. We'll look around and recap the game this past weekend, senior day uh, against the Longhorns. You swept them this season. Way to go. Update on the polls. Look at the final two games on the regular season schedule. Um, talk about the, the opening of the home home part of your baseball schedule in 2021. You had your first home games. You got your now through four of your first five in this home stand before you hit the road back to back to Houston. And then um, we have some football news. Yeah. Some pretty interesting little bit of football news. Yes. As always, if you want to keep up with us on the social media, you can follow the podcast at 23 personnel. This is on Twitter at 23 personnel. Follow me, Spencer at punts suck two S's there in the middle and Michael at Michael's underscore LBK you can follow us on Instagram as well. We are posting 30 to 60 second clips from the show over there. Little teaser, little nibbits, nibbits, tidbits. nibbits. Nibbles, nibbles, <laughs> Good gravy. I can't talk tonight. That's, that's what you like to hear. Um, it's a good sign. It's a sign of good things. Good things to come everybody. So follow us over on Instagram at 23 personal podcast you can pick up your 23 P merch t-shirts and hoodies teespring.com slash stores slash 23 personal podcast. And Michael, before we do basketball, yes, wanted to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay sneakers. 
From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you. So you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and over, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money for, you guessed it, more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. Also, in partnership with eBay, our podcast network, Armchair Media, will be raffling off four custom-made pairs of sneakers. Each purchase you make before March 31st, so the end of this month, through ebay.com slash sneakers, will enter you into a drawing for one of, sorry, for a one-of-one one pair. I For a one-of-one one pair of Air Force One low tops, just send us a screenshot of your purchase uh, and tag armchair media on Twitter or Instagram. So get entered in that raffle by making a purchase over at ebay.com slash sneakers, and then send us a quick screenshot of your receipt. Sounds like a good plan. If you like winning and if you like winning, like everyone does, you might head over to our friends at bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. So I bet a lot of you had a lot of money on the Golden Globes this week. And if you did, Bet Online had you covered. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Please use promo code armchair at checkout. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Michael, let's uh let's jump right into basketball. I'm ready. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. So some of that crowd reaction, interesting enough, I got a, I got a little piece of that tonight when fan favorite 
<laughs> freshman center Vladislav Goldin was checking in. After the fans begged for him to check in. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to see. And then I was like, I can see why he doesn't play more. Like <laughs> in like the two or three defensive possessions that he was in on and like they were going after him, he didn't put his hands up. It was like, you are seven feet tall and you're not you're not defending your 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 offensive guy in front of you who's trying to take a shot by putting your hands up. You're already seven feet, man. Well, he, he wasn't blocking out. He was just turning around and hoping the ball fell to him on rebound. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Bite.com. Bite clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. It was He was getting out-rebounded by guys that were much shorter. Like, like yeah. Tyreek Smith came flying in and grabbed a rebound, like basically well, over Golden. Well, 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 I mean, maybe you should have grabbed that. He looked a little well, I mean, lost, but Tyreek Smith is is special in in that for in that sure, ability for sure. But um, yeah, man, it was good to see him come in. I love the reaction. It reminded me a little bit of last season in that Kentucky game when Big Russ came in. Um, yes, because he he was welcome to the court. Like before, he had done anything. Everybody's like, "Yeah, let's go!" Like, I, which is funny. Like everybody, everybody, I guess hones in on. Chris Beard playing or not playing uh, with a traditional big, tall center type player. And then, but there's usually one on the roster, but when they're coming in unheralded, Dan's like, yeah, let's go. And, 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 and to big Russ's credit, when he came in, he hit like a couple inches short of a three pointer and drained it. Like, unstoppable let's go i think he scored i think he scored four or five points in and, and in like, just just a matter of a minute or something uh, he maybe even had a free throw i don't know what it, I, it, it was really impressive it was a good stretch of, of a minute or two um golden scored only two points tonight but that bucket that went in banked it off the glass to pre um it's fun to watch that um your leading scorer tonight, though, Kyler Edwards, the only Red Raider in double figures, which is strange because usually, at least we've heard Chris Beard say he wants to see four, three or four guys in double figures. Tonight, you just get the one. Now, you did have um, Tyreek Smith had nine, TJ Shannon had eight, McCullough had nine, PV had seven. So you had a few guys that were right around there, and Edwards had 20. Um, but yeah, man, it's good to see Kyler Edwards come out and 
score some points tonight. Yeah, Edwards has been. I think I've. I don't think this is a hot take or anything, but this team needs Edwards to play well to be consistent. Um, you know, the big three score wise has been McClung, McCuller, and Shannon, and kind of any particular order, you know, especially, you know, uh, you've seen all three of them be high point, but definitely more often McClung or Shannon, but those are kind of your three steadies most of the time. But, you know, these last two games, McClung's been off, you know, he was four of 13 against Texas. Um, He was only two of four tonight, but he didn't play much. He only played 18 minutes, got in foul trouble a little bit early. And then of course the doors got blown off of it. So there, there wasn't enough, reason for him to stay on the court. But Edwards, I think I've noticed a conscious effort to get the ball in his hands more often. Mm-hmm. It could just be me, but it's, it sure seems like against Texas, I didn't notice it as much tonight, but against Texas, he brought the ball down the court quite a bit. And I wonder if that kind of was to help build up his mojo a little bit. It, he, he was only two for five against Texas, but he got to the line. Uh, it was four for four on free throws. Um, played some good defense, fouled out. But yeah, tonight, fantastic. Seven or eight, he missed a three. That was it. He was four or five on threes, two for two on free throws. Um, You know, just a really solid game. And that's what we want to see. It just, even when the shots aren't going in, I, I want an aggressive Edwards. I think he's the difference maker when you've got McClung and Shannon and, uh, McCuller kind of usually driving the bus offensively, at least with, you know, points directly with points. Yeah. I was going to point out um, that Edwards took eight shots tonight and we, we touched on it last week that um, he was taking on average fewer shots per game than he was uh, at any point last season. Um, played tied for the most minutes in the game at, at 20, only 26. There were a lot of minutes that went around uh, partially because you had a 12 or 14 point lead at halftime and it just ballooned from there. It got up to 22, 24 at one point um, in the second half. You end up winning by 20, 69 to 49. Um, I mean, everybody got double digit minutes except for Golden and he got seven which is a lot for him. Uh, and the plus minus he was gold was the only one in the minus though. That's kind of <laughs> well, um, PV had 24 minutes, seven points. Um, but he had seven rebounds. Santos Silva had four points, but six rebounds. Um, as a team, you had 22 assists on 29 made field goals. So the ball was moving around like you didn't have a lot of one-on-one isolation type thing. You shot nearly 50%, 52% from the field, uh, 46% from from three. Um, You only attempted 10 free throws. So your percentage is going to be swayed by, you know, only a few misses. So you you were, you you hit five of 10, you 50% there, but. For a team that usually shoots 20 plus, um, you know, law of averages says that would have evened out a little bit better in your favor had you ended up taking more attempts there. But tonight you just didn't need to. Like you just, you ran away. You you kind of put TCU at arm's reach and then just kind of held him there. You didn't let him 
I want any big runs and make it interesting or, um, you know, you didn't let them close the gap or anything like that. So. Yeah. I mean, TCU led the first five minutes or so. It was just really cold offensively for both teams, maybe the first 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden that was pretty much the beginning of the end, especially after halftime, you know, tech went up 14 and, I don't think TCU scored seven points until almost 10 minutes into the second half. I mean, it was, they weren't able to hit anything. It was kind of like, um, back to Saturday, uh, against Texas, you know, tech and Texas go tied at half. And then Texas comes out and fortunately is just cold as ice. And Tech's able to take advantage of that. And I, I really think that portion of the game is is how Tech was able to win it. How they were able to come back and not come back, but how they're able to get ahead and stay ahead, even when Texas cut it within three, within less than three minutes. Uh, you know, especially on a day where McClung was, he was four of 13. He just was not hitting like you expect, but um, other guys were stepping up. And like we said, Edwards was one of them. He had 10 points. And just to go back to what you were saying, you know, what we were talking about Edwards shot selection, he shot eight tonight against TCU. The last time he shot eight shots was, or that many was um, versus Oklahoma on, you know, the first of February. So that's been six games since he's attempted, you know, eight shots or more. Um, Definitely. I'm all for it. I want him to to keep shooting and and be in, as involved with the offense as he can. I think he's really kind of the the difference maker. Yeah, uh, I I don't disagree with you there. Um, I I I know it's not it's not usual to get this many guys with this many minutes, uh, but I thought there towards the end, Agbo played really well. Um, Nadolny uh, in 15 minutes. There was a um, a tie up there towards the end where you were kind of feeling like, uh, be careful, careful, careful. <laughs> um, he got called for a foul when he and a TCU player that had the ball got uh, locked arms a little bit and they blew the whistle and neither one of them really like released. They just kind of held on. Um, Was that right in front of Dixon? It, yeah, it was like right in front of the bench and right, right in front of the scores table. Um, and like neither player really released. I was like, this could get ugly, but like <laughs> the, the, the ref was standing there and it wasn't sermons. Thank goodness. Uh, cause he, he, he would have been looking to call something there. Um, additional, yeah, especially against Nadalny. Yeah. He would have, yeah. he would have been looking for it. Oh, it's you again. <laughs> let's, let's what you got, man. What you got? Um, anyways, it was the, the, the game tonight, it went, um, better than I would have expected. It was a big line for Texas tech. They were favored by 13 heading into it. Um, you know, you look back at, at a couple of your bigger lines this season, you really haven't covered, uh, lines like that. You had like a 15 point line, uh, against Kansas state. Um, you had eight or nine against Oklahoma. And these are games that you ended up winning, but it was a lot, it was, you know, the, your opponent was able to cover tonight. It was not, was, was not that, uh, not that way. Saturday, um, 
like I mentioned a little earlier, you finished off the season sweep of Texas. Uh, interesting enough, you interestingly enough, um, you you swept Texas, you swept Oklahoma. Um, technically, I guess you can say you swept TCU, although you only was, been playing once. I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to throw that in there too. Um, you have an opportunity to sweep Iowa State this week. Um, and it's it's one of those things like you look around, you didn't split a, a series or however you want to call it. That's more like a baseball term, but you never you didn't split a game um, with anybody yet. So Kansas beat you twice. Um, West Virginia beat you beat you twice. Baylor, you've only played them once, um, but you'll play them again. Already mentioned TCU. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State are all, all teams that you've swept. So anyways, coming into this weekend, uh, this past weekend, Texas came in. Um, and it's one of those things, it's one of those games where like on paper, like the matchup is one of the worst that you will see in the Big 12 for, for Texas Tech, right? Like you, you don't have the traditional front court size that Texas yes. does. And, and they're not, they're not only just long, but they're super talented. Um, and they've got really good experienced guards. Um, and while you, you've got good guards, like they're like upperclassmen. They've been in that program for a few years, whereas your good guards, um, you know, you're usually, I wouldn't say piecing together, but you're, you're retooling and rebuilding your roster basically every year. So you don't have the longevity. Um, but this game, like you end up winning this game by nine, uh, 68, 59. Um, you held Texas to 35% from the floor, 29% from three. Um, they only hit seven threes out of 24 attempts. They shot 49 times from the floor and only hit 17. Um, you out rebounded them. Um, you force more turnovers, like more points in the paint too. That's what was crazy. Yeah. Again, because like you look at their, the matchup there, you don't match up well against their size. No, but you've, you've swept both, both times you played them. Yeah. And it sure felt like the first half was, um, I mean the points. Okay. Yeah. And that's right. I was, I was trying to look this up right as I was saying it, the first half, Texas took more advantage of that size. They had 14 points in the paint in the first half and then only six in the second. So I'm not sure if maybe tech changed their scheme defensively. Um, I do believe one of the guys got into foul trouble, so he, he wasn't able to, to get in there too much. Um, you know, maybe it was Kai Jones, I think. Yeah. He had three at some point, but I, I was really sweating that whole first half because all they were, all they had to do was get Jones or Sims just standing pretty much in that charge circle with whoever was around him, no matter how many they were just kind of throw it up towards him and he was going to grab it and either get fouled on the shot or make it or both. And there was just no way to stop it. And it was very disheartening. And they did that a lot in the first half and just weren't able to do that in the second. And that was a big, big difference in the game. 
Yeah. And, and I would say another difference maker in this game, Greg Brown, um, you know, they're, they're all world freshmen. Um, you held him to five points on two of seven shooting. Like, yeah, this is a guy that in your last meet, I don't, I don't have that, that game stats in front of me. And that last, uh, matchup, it felt like, um, especially there towards the end, he kind of like turned it on. It was, it was, you know, one of their, their go-to guys because Shaka smart realized like they don't have the size. They're gonna have to beat us with, with guards on the outside. Um, but offensively, man, they, they, they went to the low post a lot. And Greg Brown, it felt like got the ball every time Saturday, he had five points. Um, only two Longhorns scored in double figures. Coleman had 10 Sims had 11. Whereas, you know, if you look at Texas tech, you had five guys in double figures. McClung had 16 Edwards had 10 Santos Silva had 10 McCuller had 10 Shannon had 11. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up, you mentioned the three point percentage pretty pretty rough for Texas on the day. You know, a while back we brought up the point, you know, is tech bad at defending the three or are they just unlucky or what? Because against West Virginia, that was when it finally came to a head, you know, West Virginia shot 50% from three after shooting 63% against tech the first time. So it just, it just felt really bad. And and we did some digging and looked up some stats, but I just wanted to share with everybody. Things have gotten a lot better since then. Uh, just, you know, based upon what um, the last four teams Tech plays, their average three-point percentage for the season, those four teams, is right at 34%. Tech is only allowed those teams to shoot 24% in those four games. Much Huge better. change from before. So they've they've really either the luck has run out on the other teams, which is fortunate or, or tech's really been able to get hands in the face a lot faster, responding to the ball movement, better fighting through screens, better, whatever it is. But these last four games, they have kept um, teams, you know, minus 7%, minus 17, minus four and minus 11% percentage points uh, lower than their uh, usual three point percentage. So the, there's at least some hope there that that's not just going to be something that was going to continue the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, going into this little stretch here, Texas tech was the worst in the big 12 and three point defense. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the, the, the comparison there. If you're making some, some headway there, but defensively, I mean, you look at, at Texas and, and the, the, their plus minus, which is just how they performed in that game versus their average. Nobody had a positive except for Greg Brown, and he was a plus one. Whereas when we're, when we're talking about like tonight versus TCU, you had guys that were like plus 16, plus 14. Everybody on the Texas roster that played um, was negative. So Jones was minus six. Coleman was minus nine. Ramey was minus 12. Greg Brown had one was p- plus one. Um, Sims was minus two. Ham was minus two. Febris minus four. Jones minus two. Cunningham minus nine. Like that speaks to your defense. Um, you, you kept them from, from being able to, to score um, and, and do what they wanted to do. 
and you, you look at the trends and you see that Texas Tech didn't score a field goal in the last five minutes of the game and they still won by 10. Like they, they, they had a lead. They were able to keep their distance. They were, they were hitting uh, their free throws. Um, whereas Texas Tech, sorry, whereas Texas didn't score a field goal in the last three and a half minutes. Um, so your, your, yeah. your de- defense on Saturday really helped. Big time. Defense was huge. And you mentioned Agbo earlier. and I wanted to mention him again for hitting those two really clutch free throws at the end of this game. Um, you know, really kind of was the beginning of the icing. There was, it wasn't quite iced when he hit those two, but it was pretty darn close. So those were some huge free throws to step in, play three minutes in that game and knock down uh, two big, big free throws. Yeah. And on the, the, the flip side for the, the plus minus, like I was just saying, McClung was plus seven, PV plus 16, Edwards plus three, Santo Silva plus six, McCuller plus six, Shannon plus five, Nadoni minus one, uh, Tyreek Smith plus one, Benson minus four, Agbo was <laughs> plus eight. They, yes. Which I think the big thing there in three minutes, he was plus eight. <laughs> Plus eight <laughs> golden recorded a minute minus two. So like your worst performer minus four um, in terms of like performances this past weekend was still as good as some of their top end talent starters. So your, um, your defense this weekend really helped win that game. And of course it also helped tonight versus TCU when you hold a team to 49 points. Um, going to go a long way. Yeah. It's just shocking to see the, you know, and I wanted to look at the big 12 standings a little bit that they're not updated because I don't know why. I mean, I don't know how hard it is to update these things. Oh, it's updated now. Anyway, uh, Texas tech is seventh and TCU is eighth. And so tonight as fans, you got to see the disparity between the seventh and eighth place team in the same conference tech beat them like a drum pretty much. And that's just how close and how volatile these first seven spots are. And I'm, I'm interested to see how well all these other teams do in the, in the tournament as well, just to hopefully make us feel a little bit better about being eight and seven and being in seventh place in a 10 team conference. Yeah. It's and one of those- feeling okay about it and being like, <laughs> well, you know, it's really tough. And he's like, well, is it? And then you see, Tech play the eighth place team and beat them by 20 without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Um, going into the season, I, I I think we all kind of felt Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech were on that top tier. Um, probably Baylor but by themselves and then Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Uh, I think in Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, and the next tier, then TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State. Um. What's really kind of muddled things up is just like Kansas was so bad and, and, and I'm, I'm saying that kind of com- bad relevant to Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to, to, to who to they their are standards. and yeah. And who they want to be. They had that long stretch of where they were just really bad. And that time you're like, I really want to be playing Kansas right now. And you weren't, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> never got them on a bad day. West Virginia was, was, uh, as good, if not better than we were thinking they'd be at 10 and five Oklahoma state. I would say it was a lot better than I was expecting at 10 and six. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just thought it was going to be Cade Cunningham and four dudes and 
yeah, there's that's kind of it, but those four dudes can play. Yeah. Uh, Texas, nine and six, a little lower than, than you would have expected. Oklahoma, I think, at least for me, maybe where you expected them in their record wise, but at, at one point they were, you know, they were up there um, towards the top of the league. Texas Tech, disappointingly, I mean, I don't think anybody figured we'd be seventh in this league um, at just over 500. But if you look at like the difference between Texas Tech and Baylor right now in terms of conference wins, it's, it's three games. Yeah, that's a good point. Three games uh, separates Baylor, who's 11 and one. They've only played 12 conference games. Kansas is done with their conference slate, which I think is interesting. They were able to play all 18 of their games. Well, and Kansas scheduled UTEP, right? Yeah, so I think when they saw a lot of the rest of the conference scheduling games uh, to make up lost conference games, uh, they decided they don't, didn't want to be sitting around for a week waiting for the Big 12 conference tournament. So they went ahead and grabbed a game on the schedule, a non-conference uh, opponent in UTEP, which they'll play again. Uh, they'll play this week. So while they're done with the conference play, they're not done with their season. Um, yeah, but then you get like West Virginia and Oklahoma State had ten, have won 10 games. Texas and Oklahoma have both won nine. You, we mentioned Texas Tech has won eight. You've got Iowa State, who is winless in conference play. I mean, I don't want to count a win before you, you've played a game. You feel pretty good about that one. Should get you to nine wins. You do that. You should leapfrog back over Texas and Oklahoma um, because you hold tiebreakers with them. And then you play Kansas, or not Kansas, Baylor again. So, um, chance to make some moves. I mean, I, I would expect this to change quite a bit over the next few weeks with it being not a few weeks, the next week with it yeah. being so close. <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to finish conference play this week, Sunday regardless. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then hit the big 12 tournament next week. The thing like, like I'm yes, you can move. I'm almost like, I would almost prefer you just stay right here at seven because you play like you'd play in the seven ten matchup. Yeah. So you'd play Iowa State again. It's hard to beat a team three times, uh, which we've seen in like just about every other league every and every time. other sport. Yes. Um, but they've only won two games all season. So you, you like your chances there. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to move up high enough that you're gonna get any kind of extended layoffs or breaks. You're gonna get you're gonna be the wrong side of the or not the wrong side of the bracket, but you're gonna be having to play those few extra games because you're not going to get that, that little um, buy in the first round or however you want to consider it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think seventh place in terms of your conference tournament seating is a bad thing. I think you're still pretty com- comfortable and confident. You're going to make the NCAA tournament. So you don't have to win the big 12 conference um, big 12 conference tournament. But you definitely don't want to lose in the first game. Oh, yeah. I, I'd hate to be one and done on that. And, you know, this could... Going up a little higher in Big 12 could affect the NCAA tournament seeding, but I'm not sure how much at this point. It looks like, from what I've seen, Tech's pretty much a six. I've, I've seen that quite a bit, a six seed. Uh, unsure if that's actually going to play out or not, but uh, speaking of 
seedings and polls. I wanted to roll through the, the yeah, polls real quick. Let's do that. Um, AP poll remained at 18 this week. Ken Palm has TTU at 23. They were at 25 last week. Haslametrics uh, tech moved up a spot from 19 to 20. ESPN's BPI moved down one spot from 11 to 10. And the NCAA net rankings tech moved up two spots from 17 to 15. So really not a lot of movement there. I mean, that's kind of what you expect when, uh, you know, when you have a good win against Texas, but also in the same week that gut-wrenching loss (laughs) that came before it. So kind of even, even Steven basically. Uh, Tech luck though, (laughs) according to Ken Palm is still not good. Even after the game against Texas, this is before the TCU game. It was number 319. And I think it was 322 the week before that. So Tech's luck is still not great somehow. And um, it, at least it's not the three-point percentage this time. At least we know that. But uh, yeah, TCU, not a strong team as we saw tonight. Pretty well expected to win this one. Haslametrics had Tech winning. 75 to 61, uh, not too terribly far off, but probably wasn't counting on tech to keep TCU to only 49 points. Yeah. Uh, they have tech uh, taking care of Iowa state pretty handily 77 to 60 and then losing at Baylor 66 to 76. That's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good clip, and that's what kind of worries me a little bit. You know, I don't want to look past Iowa State too much, but then again, like you said, <laughs> they've won two games. Uh, hopefully Tech will take care of everything at home, and maybe Beard can experiment with lineups again like he got to tonight. That was fun, the the way he was through Golden and Marcus Santos Silva out there at the same time, and mm-hmm. at, at one point just had complete uh, – you know, reserve guys in there in the game, scoring, still building the lead. <laughs> but uh, you know, Baylor. If you're looking at Ken Palm, my goodness, they are the number three team in the country. Their adjusted offense is number four. Their defense is four. And in those same categories, Tech is 23, 36, and 19. It, Baylor's still just very good, even though plucky upstart Kansas just gave them a loss and West Virginia took them to overtime tonight. Or, to, well, not tonight, but this today. yeah. Yeah. Baylor's still a really good team. And I'm pretty worried about that one, but I'm excited. I'm excited for some Sunday basketball. That's interesting. That's different for me. Yeah, so I, as much as we were talking about, like, how difficult the Big 12 is. If you just want to look at the rankings right now, Baylor's three. Um, I, I'm going to go in order of rankings, not their Big 12 standings, because it, it gets a little wonky here. Um, because Kansas is second in the Big 12, but they're ranked 13th. West Virginia's ranked third in the Big 12, but in the country, they're number six. Uh, and then you've got, including Kansas, you've got teams 13, 15, 16, 17, and 18 all in your, in your conference. And, um, Texas at 15, Oklahoma, 16, Oklahoma state, 17, Texas tech, 18. Uh, and like I said, Kansas 13. Um, so yeah, the, the, the tournament seating here really quickly. I, I, I kind of mentioned, mentioned it. If you, if you finish at seven, you'll play, 
the 10 seed Iowa State. And that, that's already locked in. You win that game, you'll you'll face the two seed, um, which will be Kansas. Uh, if you do somehow move up into the six seed or higher, I guess you could jump up in the fifth, depending on how, how Kansas, uh, Texas and Oklahoma fare. If you get up into the sixth seed, then you play the three seed, who is West Virginia. So, uh, there's not a lot of great options for you unless you get all the way up into fifth. Then you'd play Oklahoma State, which you also lost twice to. You lost twice to, to in overtime. <laughs> but if you win, if you beat Oklahoma State, then you have to face Baylor again. So, like, there's not really a good way to go about this um, in terms of your seeding because, say, so like I said, you say you say at seven. You play Iowa State, and then you're going to have to play Kansas in round two. Um, if you move up to six, then you'll play West Virginia. I really don't like that matchup again. I, I think I think I like Kansas a third time and West Virginia a third time. Um, Oklahoma State, I think you've got to, you'd have a pretty good shot at because it felt like both of those games you should have won. But then if you, if you, if you move up into the fifth, sleet, fifth seed, and you end up winning that game, then you have to play Baylor. And I don't like that. So, <laughs> so no, no, that wouldn't look forward to that either. It's, it's going to be an interesting draw in the tournament, uh, the big 12 tournament anyway. And f- for once I will be sort of rooting for the conference. Once the NCAA, uh, attorney comes around, because as I mentioned before, I just kind of want to feel better about finishing seventh, possibly fifth if we're lucky in the big 12. <laughs> if um, every big 12 team makes it to like the, the round of 32 at the very least, I mean, maybe most of them make it to the sweet 16 or something. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be incredible. Uh, maybe even some big 12 on big 12 action in the tourney somewhere down the road. But for once I'll be, I'll be sort of rooting for the conference, but usually I really don't care. And you know, if Texas is dropped out in game one, I I won't care. It's, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. But it's, it's one of those things that just, it'll make me feel better. So go Big 12 this once. Yay. Go conference. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not one of those like root for the conference guys. Um, the extent of the softening on that stance is... I want to see the big 12 spread out across the bracket as much as possible. So I don't want to see big 12 rematches in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to see big 12 taking itself out in the tournament where, well, that's true. Yeah. So, um, man, so we've got, uh, we've, we still got baseball and football to talk about and get to your questions. Um, but, Guys, you know, as Michael said, you talk about the, the the tournaments, wanting to win, wanting to get into the the big dance. There, um, Bet Online is your place to go. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the tournaments are heating up, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus 
on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, you've heard us talk about it already, but eBay is becoming a big part of the Armchair Media Network, especially eBay sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you. So you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and above, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. Also, in partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. That's four pairs of shoes that you guys need to check out. Each purchase you make before March 31st through ebay.com slash sneakers will enter you into a drawing for a one-of-one pair of Air Force One low tops. This is a this is a one of one, folks. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram, or you could probably send it to us here at Twenty Three Personnel, and we would get that to him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over one hundred forty million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Michael, let's, let's get to baseball. Roll it. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run. And he's got it into his own bullpen. Reps and some time because all the teams are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren. And into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven. Hangs in to right. All right, so your baseball team bounced back in a big way this past weekend. They swept Houston Baptist. A combined 37 to 5. That's that's what I'm getting on my on my abacus as well. Uh starting Friday afternoon, you got the ball rolling early. You put up an eight spot in the second inning, followed up with seven more runs in the third. Um, and then just kind of held him out to a, it was a shortened, um, pseudo run rule. It's not typically a run rule, um, scenario, but they called the game after seven innings, 18 to three. Um, one, there was a long, uh, umpire injury, um, that, that kind of helped with that. Um, it, it definitely helped. Um, confirm a pitching change that uh, coach Tadlock was working on your starter there that afternoon was Birdsall. He went four in a third innings, gave up five hits, three runs. All three were earned one walk and one K. Um, but yeah, so he was pulled in the third and that's when, um, sorry, not the third in the fifth. That's when the, the umpire injury happened. Uh, so the, the guy, the, there's a home plate umpire. He got hit on the hand with a fastball. Uh, didn't break any fingers, but it, uh, broke the skin. Uh, he ended up having some stitches and I believe maybe like a dislocated or two finger. I don't know. Oof. Sounds rough. But the biggest thing that led to the delay was when they, they made the decision to, to rotate out the umpires and, and, and put somebody else behind the plate. He had to go to their changing room uh, and get dressed. I didn't know this, but the umpire changing room is in the visitors 
locker room in Jones AT&T Stadium. Oh my gosh. So that is on the southeast corner of the stadium coming from the baseball, which is obviously well past the west end of the stadium. Um, it seems like that could be that that just should be better. I mean, I, I mean, I guess obviously no one's going to know. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like when a, a, a record breaking cold storm hits, you really don't know <laughs> if things are wrong until things go wrong. So yeah, you're, you're not probably expecting an umpire to get injured and need to change or, or the alternate change or whatever that is, but in the middle of a game. Yeah. Um, but then when it happens, you're kind of exposed like, wow, it took 20 minutes for the dude to leave the baseball field, get over to the changing room, change, and then get back. I would assume the majority of the time was spent traveling. Um, even if he had a cart to drive him, that's still quite a ways to go. Yes. Um, Nick Gorby comes in after that, goes an inning and two thirds, no runs, no hits, two walks and a K. And then Chase Webster closes it out with an inning. Uh, a perfect inning, no hits, no runs, no walks. Um, like I said, the game was called after seven. I think what, what you saw, uh, once the game kind of got away and then there was that long extended break, Tadlock and the coach of Houston Baptist got together and said, hey, we'll play through seven and, and, and call it, um, which is why you saw Texas Tech in the sixth make just a ridiculous number of changes in the, in their lineup and in their defensive alignment. Um, I don't even have it all for you. I, I encourage you to go, uh, go through the Dinger Derby Twitter account for Friday. Cause he had what the defensive alignment looked like at the end of that game. Um, it was pretty ridiculous, but when you went on that run in the second inning, you batted around. It started off with, your shortstop Cal Conley. Um, he hit a single and like I said, it wrapped all the way around. Uh, still well hit the grand slam. Um, and then like I said, Conley came up to bat. He, he had, he recorded two base hits in the same inning and scored. So both times he got on base from a base hit, he ended up scoring. Um, and then, Wilson and Romback. So it went, what is that? Nine, 10, we had 12 batters in the second inning alone. And then you batted around in the third inning when you put up seven more runs. This time it started with Runyon, uh, who got the start out in right field. But it started, it started with a strikeout, right? So the first batter in the third inning has an out. And then you go one, two, three. You have three more batters. Um, Drew Woodcox comes in to, to pinch hit in the third for Fulford gets a single Baker hits a single. Uh, Jace young hits a three run home run. Noisy pops out to shortstop. So your second inning, so your second out is recorded five batters in, but you've already scored three runs. And then Stillwell doubles Conley hits a home run. Wilson singles Romback hits a double, but, Scores Wilson. Um, Runyon reaches base by, by an error. Woodcox hits again. Um, he scores Romback. And then Baker ends the inning on a pop out. 
anyways, um, your, your, the woes you, you faced in Arlington were pitching related mostly. And this first game against Houston Baptist, your starting pitchers combined for only three walks and two hit by pitches. So you only give up five free bases um, and three strikeouts. Whereas if you look at the Saturday game, um, your pitching staff that day, which was only two pitchers because Monteverdi, the starter went seven full innings. We mentioned that's not usual for Tadlock, but he looked dang good. That's crazy. That is just crazy. Seven innings to me in this day and age is just, is nuts. Yeah. Like that, that almost feels long for an MLB game too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but he did it. He did went seven full innings on 79 pitches and you felt like oh, he, he could have gotten more. Um, so you, you, your two pitchers in the Saturday game combined for no walks and only one hit by pitch. So only one free base and then 12 strikeouts. Yeah. And, and Monteverde too, that was kind of one of the highlights I got from the weekend because if you combine this start against uh, the opening weekend, I believe he started against Ole Miss. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. 11 innings pitched, three hits, zero ERA. Yeah, he um, he started the first game Saturday, yeah, against Arkansas. It was against Arkansas, okay. And he went four innings, one hit, two walks, five Ks. Then. Then it fell apart after that. <laughs> then it fell apart, yeah, when, uh, who came in after he did? Birdsell came in for two-thirds of an inning, although he did well in a starting role on Friday this weekend. Wells, Sublet, Key, Divine really fell apart, but dude, Monteverdi looks so good. He um he retired the final eleven batters he faced in order. <laughs> he only like you know, only having given up two hits, he faced twenty two batters, retired twenty of them. No walks, nine Ks. Gurton comes yeah. in to, to finish out the game goes the, the final two innings gives up three hits, one run, one earned on three K's. Um, so Monteverdi early season looking so dang good. Like you said, um, he's pitched 11 full innings and given up three hits. Only walked two, struck out 14. He has an opponent's batting average of 0.086 ERA of zero and a whip, which is walks plus hits per inning of 0.45. So he's averaging less than one runner on base every two innings. He's really good. I mean, and you know, Houston Baptist Coates was, Coates was pretty good. Tech obviously had trouble with him. It wasn't the same as it was on Friday. Uh, you know, they had the three runs on him in the fourth, but Coates was pitching pretty well. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty close game up until, you know, the seventh and eighth inning really, uh, where, where tech kind of just kept not letting HBU get on the board and, and eventually just took over. It wasn't an offensive explosion like it was on Friday, but I think a lot of that was with Coates. He, he was a pretty solid pitcher himself, but yeah, it's, it's just hard to just, you, you know, 
to to not get um to, tech can make you look bad. Tech yeah. can make pitchers look bad, and that's what I was trying to get to. But he he really held his own on him, and and you could tell that they were they were kind of befuddled with him for a few innings, trying to figure him out. Yeah, and then and then the the pitching staff comes back on Sunday. Um, Mason Montgomery gets the start, goes five innings, gives up only two hits. I mean, so he faced what's that five seventeen batters, nineteen batters, and gave up two hits. One run that was earned, two walks, five Ks, and then you get the redemption uh, tour from Connor Queen, Levi Wells, Ryan Sublette. They combined to go four innings, three hits, one run, four strikeouts. Whereas on that opening weekend, like we said, when they played, um, those guys came in against Arkansas. Wells went a third of an inning. Sublette went two thirds of an inning. Um, Sorry, Sublette went two innings. Those two combined for four hits, seven runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Well, and I I didn't want to jump ahead too much, but, you know, Micah Dallas started today against mm-hmm. Texas Southern. I know that that was kind of surprising to people to not see him in the Houston Baptist series. D- do you think it was mainly just because of the timing of this mid game series? You know, that Tablock was just really trying to stretch his pitchers out a little bit more. You figure he's going to be one of your three day guys. Uh, once, once the big 12 plays, you know, really starts kind of uh, coming around and schedules are a little bit more even. Yeah. I, I would say like that, that would make sense for him to reenter the rotation um, and maybe he would take that spot from Birdsell. And yeah, maybe Birdsell w- w- would take a, a midweek start. But when you look at the starters, like so, Birdsell on Friday went four and a third. Uh, like I said, gave up five hits, three runs. Monteverdi went seven innings. You're not moving. Like he may be your Friday night guy starting next weekend. Um, no kidding. And then Montgomery on Sunday. Like if very solid, if your Sunday pitcher only gives up two hits, dang, um, Friday, like you, you would, you'd want a little bit better from that. And maybe Dallas slides back into that role, uh, which is hard to go from a midweek starter to weekend without having to skip a weekend to do it, uh, with, with the amount of rest there. But yeah, man, that, uh, that the rotation right now, is just so good. So you, you look at your, your pitchers. Um, let's see guys that have pitched a lot of innings. You've got Monteverdi, obviously leading the way with 11. Uh, Mason Montgomery has pitched nine. Uh, Montgomery's ERA is two. So he's given up two runs. His whip, like I said, is just number of base runners per inning is one. So he's averaging putting one guy on, her inning um, is your starters Birdsell, um quite a bit higher than that, which I, like I said, I think is, is an opportunity for him for if you're looking to, to rotate somebody else out. Um, but yeah, like the, the surprises there, like I said, with like, like you said, Micah Dallas um, would be difficult to get him from a midweek to a weekend without having to skip. Like he probably wouldn't go, like he, he may be able to go Sunday this weekend. Sure. But that may be yeah, just, of, just depending on how it all rotates and yeah. you know, tech 
yes, okay, this isn't Ole Miss and Arkansas and Mississippi State. You know, that that's not these teams, but Tech had um, – what did they have? They had – over these last four games, they had three errors. But before that, I think it was – was it five? Let's look. So they did was it five errors against – you know, in that first opening series? Um, so in the Houston Baptist series itself, they only had one error. Texas Tech did. They had um, two errors versus Mississippi State, one versus Ole Miss, so there's three, and then one more versus Arkansas. He had four. Yeah. But then okay, you, so it was you also four. had a bunch of hit-by-pitches and wild pitches and pass balls where you didn't have that thing this weekend. Yes, not as many walks, not as many. I mean, it was it was just better baseball, and, and that's the type of stuff that is still going to um, – you know, if you're pitching strikes, <laughs> you're not going to have as many walks. It's just kind of, and if you're not going to have those wild pitches and have people score on the wild pitches and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a lot cleaner baseball, regardless of competition. We can't, we don't have to look into that too much. And you could just tell that this team, um, they were a lot more dialed in this week. Yeah. Heading into today's game, like the batting averages across the team are just ridiculous. Uh, Nate Rombach is leading the team at 421. I guess that was heading into today. Um, Cal Conley, 414, with also a 414 on base percentage, which means he has not walked. <laughs> uh, that, that average he, he came by, honestly, he's getting out there to hit. Um, Cody Masters is hitting 400. Like I said, all this is going into today. Jace Young, 381. Braxton full for 364. Um, Braden Runyon hitting 308. Uh, Drew Baker's 333. The guy that you're you're looking at and you're seeing like what's going on with him is Dylan Noisy, uh, barely hitting above 200. That'll work itself out. Oh sure, best yeah. believe. Um, Small sample size for all of this. You know, everybody has to keep that in mind. You know, the guys batting 414 aren't, aren't going to be batting 414 in May. Yeah. So, like, when I talk about Nate Rombach leading the team in, in average, uh, that's through 19 plate appearances where Conley, who's second in the team in batting average, is through 29 plate appearances. So, like, that's a little more stable uh, than Rombach's. But you look, um, Conley's leading the team in that bats and hits, uh, singles, doubles. Noisy's leading the team with the one triple. Rombach's leading the team in home runs with three. Uh, he's also leading the team in RBIs and total bases. Um, his on base plus slugging Rombach is fifteen hundred. His slugging percentage is, is a thousand. His on base is five hundred. <laughs> Um, and he's not striking out as much as you would think. Like he, like he was, he's a pretty big Joey Gallo type guy. Like he's swinging for fences. Uh, the guy that's leading your team in, in, in strikeouts, at least percentages is, is Marshock. Um, Parker Kelly has half of his plate appearances end in strikeouts. Easton Morrell, uh, Rombach's down at three sixteen. Kurt Wilson strikes out a lot right now, which, which will change at, at, you know, four twelve. Uh, he leads the team in number of strikeouts in seven, tied with Conley. Um, anyways, your your offense is, is 
figuring things out, which is what you would expect against a team like Houston Baptist and Texas Southern. Um, you'll play one more versus Texas Southern tomorrow, also in the afternoon, before you head down to Houston to play in the Shriners. I'm going to mess this name up unless I read it. Where is it? Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic, where you'll play Friday night versus Texas State, Saturday afternoon versus Sam Houston State, and then Sunday morning, Texas A&M Corpus Christi before coming back to play Gonzaga Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Yeah, uh, they basically took care of Houston Baptist kind of like we thought they would, which is great to see. Um, you know, I'm, I have no real huge concerns right now. I just, it just wasn't fun to come back 0-3. And, and that was, I think, the first time Tech had started 0-3 in baseball since 94, some some crazy stat like that. It's been a long time since this, they've started out on a streak like that. So not characteristic of Tech baseball, especially a Tim Tadlock team. But I think that hopefully will just go to show the type of, competition that was in Arlington in that first week. Yeah. And today's game, you win versus Texas Southern 14 to two, and you do that behind only one home run. Um, and that home run was just two of the runs. It was Jace Young hit it in the sixth. Uh, obviously he scored and Drew Baker scored. Everything else was, you got guys on base, you moved them around. Um, 14 runs on 14 hits. You did have two errors today. Um, but you only gave up, you gave up two runs, one in the eighth, one in the ninth. Um, and then you'll play again, like I said, tomorrow, then hit the road. You want to talk about football for a second, Michael? Yeah, we got a little bit to talk about football. So it's, it's actually so little. I'm not even going to play the music. That makes sense. And it's, that it, makes this, sense. this is not related to what the, the topic is or what, like who it is we're talking about. It's just that we probably end up spending more time playing the music than we would be talking about this. But Alan Bowman announced his intentions to transfer a few weeks ago and then announced uh past couple of days that he was going to be transferring to the university of Michigan. Yeah. He's going to be a Michigan man, which was um a surprise. That was unexpected. Yeah. Like I, I think we all kind of thought like he'd be a pretty good group of five starter uh, down here in the region, whether it was like UNT or, um, SMU, Houston, something like that. He felt he was a, a power five quarterback, which is, you know, all power to him. Um, ends up at Michigan and I'm not sure what to think or where, <laughs> how to even project like where he might end up, uh, for the Wolverines. But definitely. I have, I have a brief tidbit on that. Yeah. What's from up? the athletic, um, Nick Baumgartner, who's a Michigan senior writer, he he said that Michigan opened spring ball last week just days after Milton announced his intent to transfer. So they had a quarterback transfer recently. From a numbers standpoint, Bowman gives Michigan more depth behind McNamara and McCarthy. I don't think it should be viewed as a given that Bowman wins this job, though he'll certainly be allowed to compete for it. And, I mean, obviously that's why you would go, but... Uh, but yeah, Joe Milton's decision to transfer, this is from Austin Meek now, 
It left Michigan shorthanded at quarterback. McNamara showed flashes of promise in 2020, and McCarthy is the highest-rated high school QB to sign with the Wolverines during Harbaugh's tenure, but neither was a sure thing heading into 2021. Bowman gives the Wolverines an unexpected option and could help Michigan bridge the gap until McCarthy is ready to take the reins. Very interesting. It's it's kind of it's not quite the same scenario as as Shuck coming in, but Shuck's coming in with more in-game experience than any of the guys on the staff and is kind of expected to be the starter. And that seems to be almost the same position that Bowman is going in at Michigan. He's, he's played way more than any of the guys on there. Yeah. Very, very, it's, it's crazy. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'll be rooting for him for sure. If he gets in there and if he, if he wins the battle, of course go blue. But, um, yeah, I mean, Meek went on to say that Bowman was arguably the top quarterback available in the transfer portal and could start immediately. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, how much? Like, one, I, I don't know the, the talent pool in the transfer portal. So I, I'm like, saying that about Bowman is like, does that mean like he, the writer thinks that Bowman's really good or they're like, the talent just isn't there and he's like best available. So not sure. Best of luck to Alan Bowman. Um, I mean, big 10 is going to be rough from what yeah. I saw. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Well, and uh, poor guy, apparently he likes to play for guys who are on the verge of getting fired. Not likes to play, but gets, um, gets stuck playing. Because if, you know, Wells was on the hot seat this year and it's probably like really hot after, you know, year three and Harbaugh has been on the hot seat for a while, sort of. So who knows? But yeah, it's, it's just interesting. So he rolls in and his competition is a third year player who has one career start and an incoming freshman. So he very well might be Michigan's starting quarterback next year. There's no telling. That's wild. It is wild. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up and get to some questions. Let's do it now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So I asked for questions a little earlier this evening. We got a couple. And a little thread here from Stephen M at a Steve nine, eight, nine basketball showing good grit after extended game break and back to back losses. So you came back from that break, you lost twice, but now you've won twice versus Texas and now TCU. Just my opinion, but Kyler Edwards offensive play might very well be the determining factor for how far this team makes it in the tournament. I think that's what Michael was saying a little bit earlier. Um, Completely agree. And I did not even know that you asked for questions. So I just wanted, I want to let you know, Steven, I didn't read yours, (laughs) read your thoughts and take your take, but yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's kind of the X factor. Yeah. If you've got somebody else that can score, um, that takes the pressure away from McClung or at least puts it back on the defense saying we can't just face guard McClung. Like there are other guys we have to be aware of. Uh, one of those guys, is, I would say, would have to be 
um, Edwards or at least Shannon, if you can get Shannon to really be committed to not taking as many threes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. St- Steven goes on to say worried come turning time that McClung may have tendency to hero ball it in closing pivotal moments of a close game that could cost the team a win, which is what I'm saying. If you've got more offensive um, threats around McClung, you hope to eliminate that kind of pressure where it's not just on his shoulders. Uh, then again, he's the one you want taking the final sh- shot. So yeah, I, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, if, if Edwards is kind of coming back into the Edwards, we got to see briefly last year here and there. I, I wouldn't be, I would be fine with him taking final shots too. I mean, he's, he's got good judgment. He's, he's got a solid shot of Shannon taking a final shot on like a 15 foot jumper or something. I'd, I'd be great with that. But, but yeah, I mean, McClung, he still might be the, even though he's in a slump right now, he's going to come out of it. He's been in slumps often on this whole year and has, has come out of it. So I, I think it will be just a matter of time, but he does, he can kind of force things a little bit. Um, I think he's better at it as the, as the season has progressed. But uh, yeah, there's still some of it there that, that needs some work. All right, man, let's, uh, let's wrap this up and finish up with what we learned. What did we learn Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. So little league update. Yeah. I'm Um, I'm anxious to hear it. (laughs) I mean, it's not much of an update. We went to the batting cages this past week for one of the practices that would have been canceled for weather. It's like, no, we're going indoors. We're not going to miss another. We're not going to miss another practice because of the stupid cold. Um, confirmed our team has bats. We're going to be pretty good offensively. I think. All right. If we can get people confident and focused in the batter's box, uh, we, we finished up our practice tonight, um, doing some situational thing where everybody got, got to hit, um, we got this one eight-year-old who was the first guy we, we drafted. So like we liked him. We knew he was going to be good. Grayson was playing third, not because that's where he's, he's going to be playing, but he was covering for somebody that would, had just come into bat. Um, this dude almost takes his head off. <laughs> he squares up this, this pitch and drills it like a hundred miles an hour. And Grayson said, Grayson like flips around and gives me like the most scared look I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you gotta be paying attention, man. Cause he could take <laughs> your head off. Um, as, as with anything with kids, this age group, like trying to get the more tedious things like playing defense, maybe a little struggle for us, but if we can keep up on the offensive side of that may not be so much of a problem. Um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. it. The season is sneaking up quickly. Like it is March second, right? We start playing games the week after spring break. Well, spring break is not this upcoming week, but the week after. So games are in three weeks from today. I could be coming back to do podcasts after a game. Ooh. Makes me a little nervous. We're not ready for games yet. We've got other teams that are trying to schedule scrimmages. Like, how are you ready for scrimmages? I feel behind. You just got to practice harder and longer. Just get them, get them their four hour sessions. That's not, get them some salt tablets. They'll be fine. So what, what did you learn? 
I learned that SnowRunner is just as addicting as I thought it would be. It's, um, are you familiar with SnowRunner, Spencer? I was going to ask you what that was. It's basically, it's a sequel to a game called MudRunner. It's that a came video out. game. Here we go. And it's a, yeah, it's a video game. And you're put in places like Michigan and Alaska and you're given vehicles and then you're given all these tasks. You've got to get this load of wood to fix this bridge. But to get there, you've got to take these trails and you got to go through mud and you've got to go through snow and ice. And it's kind of got some really <laughs> realistic physics and you have to plan your, uh, you know, when to put it in four wheel drive just right or winch yourself <laughs> out. And it is a blast. It is one of those things that I knew I've been fighting it for a long time because you guys, you know, my, um, my obsession with farming simulator. Well, I watch farming simulator videos on YouTube and one of the guys I watch is Mr. Sealy P and he's fantastic. And he also <laughs> does snow runner videos. So it's his fault because he would just sneak in a snow runner video every now and then. And I'd, I'd watch some of it and go, wow, that looks really cool. All that to say that was the Xbox gold deal this month. So it was, I think like almost half off. I think I got it for 30 bucks and I thought, okay, well I can't pass it up because I've been toying with the idea of getting it. But every time I'd look, it was still full price. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to pay full price. And then I, I saw it and it was half off. I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> and uh, so I was up till 1am last night playing. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna have to see if, if that game's available and the, the subscription package I have or something like it is available. Yeah. I don't know if it is or not, but man, SnowRunner, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, cause you know, you earn money for your jobs and stuff. And so you can upgrade your vehicles. I mean, you, there's so many options to upgrade your vehicles, suspensions, transmissions, wheels, tires, paint jobs, all sorts of stuff, uh, stickers. So you can put like really those really <laughs> trashy stickers on the, on yes. the windshield. It's like, I love to get in the dirt or, you know, or whatever it is there's all these different ones that you could put on your, on your uh, vehicles if you want. So it is a blast. I'm enjoying it. I could see how people could absolutely hate it and I wouldn't blame them for it, but I'm not one of those people. I've, I'm really, I'm really like it. Snow runner. What did we learn? What did we learn? <laughs> That's what we learned. Snow um, runner is as addictive as it sounded to me. Yeah, I am. Um, I have to check it out or at least see if it's available in the store. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the upcoming week. Sports was again fun. I didn't watch as much as I wanted to. Maybe it helped it being fun. <laughs> it does help. Yeah, but that'll do it for us on the 23 Personal Podcast. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.